And now it's GEICO's Motorcycle Rules of the Road. Avoid biking in the rain and never touch another person's bike. Hey guys, look at these bikes. So shiny. Uh, whoops. I'm gonna leave a note. Oh gosh, there's more. And the rule to saving on motorcycle insurance is, in 15 minutes, GEICO could save you 15% or more. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a monster truck driver to deliver pizza. And the neighbors are going wild. You can hear that engine from a mile away, Fran. And he's foregoing the driveway and heading right up the lawn and over the azaleas. What a power move. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. With six-foot tires and a roll cage, this pizza guy could quite literally crush the competition. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Hello there. This is a special Friday edition of the Keys Bartender. This is Jim coming from Keys, the Florida Keys, the Keys, the Keys of the Kingdom, whatever. Let's let's uh, turn the music off. I always have a problem with the music. How are we today? Uh, it was a beautiful day here once again in the Keys. Hot, breezy, breezy day. Interesting thing, uh, one of the routines we have in the morning, especially since we're rolling to the end of the school year, wife and I take turns taking the daughter into school, going to the gym first. It's about three, four miles past the gym, or maybe two, three, three miles past the gym, or four miles. Okay, here I am being indecisive, but... It's past, and you, you have to go past and stand in line, drop the kids off, and um, come back. So we alternate back and forth. And there's, you know, little routines we have. There's the main road when we go into, um, not that you have to visualize this, but once we get past a place called Tavernier Creek, and that's a section of town of the Keys called Tavernier as you go into Isle Morada in the Keys and we're heading south and for most of the upper Keys up until mile marker 90 we have two lanes north two lanes south when we get near our local high school Carl Shores it turns into a two lane road route one turns into route uh, one lane north one lane south but there's also the old highway the old highway is a 30 mile per hour stretch that goes on each island. Obviously, when we come up to the bridge, those roads have to unite. But when we get to a certain section, and it's about four or five miles away from my daughter's school, we a lot of times we take the old highway because there's a conjunction, a confluence of two schools on either side of the highway. And there's a traffic signal that's only operated when the classes are starting or ending during drop off and pick off, pick up. And you have both schools there. And so they have a crossing guard there that controls the light. And that's where the bottleneck occurs, obviously. When you have 
four lanes going down to two lanes, and then we have the old highway. So what we do is I take the old highway and head south towards my daughter's school, and we see the same scenes all the time when we're going down there. We see similar people. We see Jimmy Johnson, the former coach of the Dallas Cowboys and University of Miami and NFL analyst, uh, Jimmy Johnson, walking every so often and we always daughter and I always would joke when we we'd say hey that's Jimmy Johnson that's Jimmy Johnson and then we see an older Asian woman we say oh look at Jimmy Johnson he looks very different today or some skinny guy and say oh Jimmy Johnson's at it again so we always say that but on and then we go past this uh, hardware store or this construction company and they have this food truck there that when you have construction crews meet, stuff like that, if you're familiar with that, you see these food trucks. You know, they have these utility bodies on the back of the trucks and they, they open up and they have sandwiches and different hot food for them. And I call it the Roach Coach. And we never seem to beat the Roach Coach. It always gets there about five, ten minutes before we arrive. Even if we're in line where we're going down the main highway and it starts backing up. We'll see the roach coach in front of us and they get in there in the line and let's say we go off to the side road and we figure we're going to beat it there. It always beats us to this point south of us. So we figure a lot of times we going the old highway route isn't the faster route, but we do it anyway. So we, we're not stuck in traffic. We're moving slower, but we're moving. Well, today... We see all the familiar sights until we get up to one of the gas stations about a mile before we get to the school. And then we see some cars blocking the road, the small two-lane road off to the side, that old highway. And this truck just casually trying to make a U-turn in the middle of the road while people are heading south. And then all of a sudden we see there's a bunch of utility trucks and there's a new lake in the middle of the road. And the new lake was a water main break right at mile marker 88, around mile marker 88. And we, you know, make a U-turn too. We go out to the next exit, get back on the highway, and we start heading down to the school. And when we get to the school, they have a system on how people um, drop their kids off. You, we all line up in our cars and stuff, and we pull up to the front of the school and they check their temperature and if their temperatures, they're not, they don't have a fever, they let them go into school. Otherwise, that's got to really suck for a, a parent that's heading into work. Because when a t- child has a temperature, they can't go in. And you got to take them home, but you got to go to work. So what are you going to do? I mean, much like, I guess that always happened before, but you didn't happen at the beginning of the school day as much wherein there's a fever. Like if you didn't know there was a fever. Let's say the kid's a real go-getter and they said, oh, I don't give a shit if I have a headache and a fever and chills and stuff. I'm going to school. Well, so we get up to an end of water main break. We get, we're waiting in line and we're thinking nothing of it. We didn't know at that time it was a water, water main break, but you could tell there was a lot of water. So, you know, we didn't know what it affected. And we forgot about the linear nature of the keys. That if a water main broke to the north, then everything would affect it to the south. If it was a main water, you know, water main. That's why the water main, meaning went main path for the water. 
So we're waiting in line, and right about uh, there, right past the time when they start opening up the school and start checking kids in, checking their temperature, we get a phone call. You know, it goes through our my car, and it's an automated phone call from the school, and it says they're closed because of the water main break. You know, they don't have any water service, so none, none of the bathrooms work, none of the water fountains work, none of the hand-washing stations work. So they close for the day. So we pull out, and you see everyone else, what the, you know, what the hell are they doing? What the fuck are they doing right now, making a U-turn and leaving? And I just realized, oh, that was really rude of me. I realized, but everyone should have, it was an automated phone call, so everyone must have been getting a phone call at the same time. And they were waiting in line. And so, you know, we ended up going back and my daughter has an extra day off. Next, starting tomorrow, she's going to Costa Rica. Today's Friday. Um, the bus is going to be picking them up and they're heading up to the airport. Yes, eighth grade class going to Costa Rica. And there was a whole bunch of things, you know. I know, hey, Jim, don't you know there's a big outbreak of uh, coronavirus there and COVID-19. And uh, they're going to be staying at a resort that's almost all them and all the sites are going to see is just all them. The airport they're going to is in the main, the capital city, San Jose in Costa Rica. But after that, they're getting picked up and they're going right to these, to their resort. And they're going to be staying out of heavily populated areas. And it'll be just them at the resort with their, a bunch of parents are going and, and teach a couple, te- you know, sets of teachers so there's going to be almost the same amount of adults as there is for each child going there. I know, and it sounds like, but what are you going to do if you're not going to do not let your kid go and then you leave to get the resentment? That's the biggest thing in their life so far is to go on a trip with their classmates. So that's it, you know. But then I can understand if you have a problem child, why would you want them to go on a trip because you know they're going to cause some I mean parents are always shocked they say oh it couldn't be my kid they you know the way they act in school when your kid when your kid's a horrible kid we've seen the parents you we've all seen parents like that maybe they get tired of it and stuff like that but they I see them in the restaurant they come with their kid and the kids are running around they're oblivious to it they're drinking whatever they're drinking to try to ignore it. And you see the kids acting up, running around and stuff like that. Now, we're not a fine dining establishment. I understand that. We're also not a shithole either. And people say, can't you control that kid? Well, obviously they can't control that kid. Maybe they seeded that battle long ago. And there's, a you know, you see other kids, they just behave. And now the, you know, other kids, they just run rampant. They're running around touching things doing things, chasing people with their drinks, not knowing how to act. We get that every so often. They just, parents go out and they say, I just had enough. I just have enough. And they they take them there. But you see them at stores, you see them at pools, you see them at amusement parks, the screaming kid. And a lot of times it's that when they f- first begin to walk, until they're four years old. And they have very poor impulse control. 
right? They're screaming. Well, I know that firsthand. And that's why I put the a pyro in, a, like bringing a pyro into a fireworks store. You know exactly what's going to happen when you bring a kid like that someplace because I was that kid when I was growing up. I heard all the stories. Uh, I mean, the, the, my, my mother and father always repeat those stories to me. And I, I don't feel guilty about it because, well, I mean, you feel guilty about the things you do when you're two and four years old. I, I uh, Just a couple high points of the life or low points was, uh, I think, it was all around two. Most of the activity I did was around two or three. And then it started tailing off. Bug spray in my uh, cousin's, second cousin's eyes. They had was a whole, whole bunch of a generation of kids running around in my family's uh, vacation cabins north of Philadelphia. Uh, toilet seat stuck on the head. That was the thing. I went to a store and I guess there was a toilet seat. I put my head through it. Uh, luckily, it wasn't a dirty toilet seat. And they had to actually take me to a hospital for that. Um, even though that's not necessarily one of the things that's kind of like one of the adventures kids get into and you always see. Uh, it's cute when it's a um, a cat or a puppy doing that, getting their head caught in the bag and running around and stuff like that. I, I took a baseball bat to my mom's legs. When I was two, she had... Um, she said it was very painful, but I, I wasn't. I think it was more of a wiffle ball bat because, they, I mean, a two or a two year old really can't swing one of those big heavy wooden bats. Uh, while waiting in line to see Santa, an older man. Now that could be anybody in their thirties or forties, or upwards of 60, 70 years old, but they came over to talk to me and say, hey, little boy, you better be good. Or Santa's not going to come and see you. And I turned around and said, shut up. You know, real loud. I had an uncle who was a priest who, uh, when my father was out, they were hanging out, and he said, uh, they were at some shopping center, big department store. And the uncle was going to watch me. And the father said, don't you let go of his hand. No matter what he says, don't let go of his hand. He'll, he'll tell you he'll be good and all that stuff, but he, don't, don't trust him. And I think they took me to a toy store area and... You know, true to form, my uncle lets go of my hand, and I ran off. And as I recall, the story goes: there was a, these dolls in these boxes, and they had the cellophane wrapper on the top of it, and they were all lined up. And I went down the line of them and poked my hand through each of the wrappers, and then the. The quintessential one was almost poetic. My, at the time, I think we were living just a couple miles away, really, and it was winter time. And my mother was taking my sister and I to her mother's house, which we eventually lived in at one time when my 
my father was um, stationed overseas for a little while. And she had let me go, and she was taking either my sister or my brother. If it was my brother, then I was about two and a half or something like that. And she was taking them out of their clothes, out of their winter coats and stuff like that. And I didn't even, I don't even know if I had my coat off. And I ran in, and it was a floor-to-ceiling lamppost. You know, attaches at the floor and goes to the ceiling, and it had had three or four globes on it for lights and it were cantered around the, the post and I just ran over to it and I grabbed the hole of the post and swung around it and the glass globes that encase the lights that sit kind of just using gravity on it but you know they're not used to having people swing on these lamp posts disturbed it so each of the globes fell off and they went pop, 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 falling, hit glass, shattering on the ground. And the way you tell it, my grandmother, who loved me, my maternal grandmother, who always said how much she loved me, um, said to my mother, and not one of those glass globes hit that little son of a bitch. <laughs> so there was always stories of that, like whenever there was a party or they were coming for a visit, relatives and friends say, you're not bringing your son Jimmy, are you? And that was going for a couple of years. I had that. And I, luckily, I grew out of that phase, supposedly when I was in you know, later four and five. But every so often, I did did screw up a bit after that. I, you know, I let my, my father spend, I remember, he had this beautiful model of a aircraft carrier and it had all the planes on it and stuff like that. And I think I took it outside when I was five or six years old and uh, lit it on fire because I was probably watching this TV show called The World at War and it was a World War II documentary and just had all these videos and maybe I thought that would be cool and you don't think about it when you start lighting some something on fire that it's not going to you're not going to be able to repair it but that's what happened so I had a history of this, and I realized, wait a second, you still have to live your life. No matter how bad your kid is, you still have to live your life. You, I mean, you can't really leave them with, leave me with someone else after you hear a list of that, and that's only a partial list. Because there are tons of things I did. I, I understand from what I understand. And they, she had to still live her life, still had to go to places and things like that. And she just put up with that. And I always hear these horror stories about how these kids are treated by foster parents or uh, adopted parents or even regular parents, how, how kids are brutalized, you know, put into isolation, locked in their rooms and things like that. And then I think, wow, I was lucky because uh, if I was in a family like that, they would have put me, I, I would have been in dire circumstances, but they kept on trying with me, and it worked out pretty good for me. I had a pretty good life. But I never understood when, it's to this day, I'm thinking, when they go to a place and how people react, and the reaction should more be like, yeah, she or he is like that. 
They scream a lot. They make a lot of noise. They don't admit it. They just kind of ignore it. They're in denial and things like that. And I guess you can't have a good time if you're not, oh, like you got to pretend. You said, well, I'll never see these people again. Well, a lot of times their relatives know. And you can see it in relatives' faces. He goes, oh, that kid's always like that. It's never a secret. And you got to take them places. Uh, my mom took me when I was like five, six years old to a little glass uh, workshop in Flemington, New Jersey. It was all glasswares and stuff like that. Little figurines. The worst place, one of the worst places in the world to take a child. One of the worst places. Glass figurines. I never understood that. Why would you even allow children in a place? Figure would say, oh, they're, you know, each one may be worth a dollar or two dollars so we don't care if they break them. That means you got to pay for it and all this stuff, but I mean, it was torture because you just want to pick stuff up. Now, it wasn't like for picking stuff up and breaking it, but breaking it was one of the byproducts of me handling it. I'm sure he didn't do it on purpose. And speaking of restaurants, since we're at it, uh, me going to a restaurant, how do you enjoy a meal and stuff? You still had to eat, though, as a family member, so you, you have to take your, t- you got to bite the bullet, let's you know, maybe that's a little too, you know, a little too violent imagery, but you have to bite the bullet when you go to these places. And they got special rooms at churches for kids. And maybe babies, you know, babies cry, you can't help them. But there's other kids that aren't, that make a lot of noise. And they put them in there and, you, can, you know, have the glass wall and behind it. So I guess maybe for people that have Tourette's too, there's growing ups like that. Let's say you sneeze a lot. But it's, it's just amazing. You see them out, and they act, people act like it's not a real big deal. What's well, right? You know, it's not much of a big deal. And most t- cases, they just grow out of it. But at the time, it seems like the worst thing to ever happen for the parent and for the people that are there. And they say, oh my God, look at these kids. Well, the kids don't decide to be that way. And it's usually not a lot that has a lot to do with the parents either because the kids just it just happens. Just like some serial killers, you know, people say, Well, I don't know why they became a serial killer. Life and their family wasn't that bad. You want you people want to realize, oh well, someone can't just be a serial killer on their own. It has to be something their parents did. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But that's just one of the things. You're going to, go to a nice restaurant, and you see some people flip out when you, you know, they're not disciplining their kid, and they're saying you got to put it, you know, you got to get a handle on your kid. They're just serving my dinner. There was a guy who used to come into the encore and says, "Don't you discipline my kid?" And I'm like saying, "I, I." He didn't say it to me, but if he said it, I was out, and I said, "Your kid's bothering my table. You better do it, or I'm going to bother your table." You know, don't act all, don't be a bully. You know, I mean, but then in the re- retrospect, you you know, they're lucky the guy's not taking it out on the kid. So, I don't know. I don't necessarily know how to handle it, but I know I don't like to have to deal with it if I'm out. And as a worker, I really don't care. They don't, you know, they come behind the bar and say, you can't come behind the bar. I see kids walking, little kids, like two and three-year-olds. I'm like, no, you can't. Sorry, buddy. Can't come behind here. And then go out. 
when they do that. I rarely get someone that just stays there and ignores it. And when they're two years old, what are you going to do? You know. At this time, I'm going to take the opportunity to say the Catch Restaurant is open for business at mile marker 102 in Key Largo if you're ever in the area. It's a great place for seafood and non-seafood preparations. From Monday to Friday, they have happy hour from 3.30 to 6.30 with specialty you know, prices on drinks and happy hour food. Also, if you have your own catch, bring it in. They'll cook it. I had a phone call a couple of weeks ago and person say, hey, do you have to bring in your own seafood in in order for you to cook it? I said, no, we have our own. And we get it fresh, too. So try out the catch. And if you do come in and catch, tell them the Keys bartender sent you. Okay, now we're back. We get a lot of people coming down here. They're vacationers, and they think, boy, my dream would be to live down here. Oh, what's it like to live down here? They want some of the questions. Oh, when did you move down here? A lot of things all leads to this thing. Life must be so great living down here. Now, I'm going to say, for most cases, it is good. It is good. But you got to be careful if a lot of times you have to examine what is crappy about your life or what you don't like about your life before you decide, 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 decide to do one of those location changes. Now, if your location changes, I just can't handle the cold. I like to be warm. Then you can go to almost any place that will stay warm. Then that's fine. But you got to remember if... You don't like it really humid and you like to be outside and you don't like insects and you don't like lizards. You don't like snakes. You don't like being near the water. You don't like tropical storms. Then it's not the place for you. But I don't tell people that when they ask you that. I'm just waiting for why do they want to move? And a lot of times it could be like their relationship isn't too well. They haven't had very good relationships. Maybe they could have, for me, when I moved down to the Keys, I moved down here after my marriage broke up. Fortunately, I didn't have any children, but I was going to marriage counseling and all that when towards the end of it, it just wasn't working. It just kept on getting worse and worse. And... I had a friend down here, and the wife had asked me to move out, they need, that we needed a separation. She didn't realize that I would look to that one to go and visit, or I would stay down here. I thought maybe she thought I was just going to visit down here and then come back and get the work moving you know, someplace else. When I, got it, when I left the house, I left. I moved down here and I, I stayed down here. And that was easier for me because I wasn't leaving Philadelphia because I was unhappy with Philadelphia or with the North. And I wasn't moving down here because it was my dream of being down I love being down here when I visited down here, but it wasn't so much that I, life would be better for me down here. Everything would be better because I was a problem drinker and I was a problem drinker in Philly in Baltimore wherever I went Denver uh, and then Keith for a couple months because after for the first time 
after four four months, I I stopped drinking for approximately seven years. And I mean, life got better for me, but it wasn't that I was looking for a place to be better because I initially when I came here I was going to be here for like 34 months and then move up to a place like New York I was thinking in my head go to New York or someplace some great adventure that was my dream my place I'd go to get a better life I didn't think it would be down here and it turned out for me at least a better life was me changing certain aspects of my life and the one big thing that that drinking was the main thing. It, ha- it gave me the opportunity to look at other things in my life, like doing things and uh, being able to take care of business, not procrastinate on, you know, you know how a minor problem, minor irritant or things you don't like to do aren't that big a deal at the time you need to do them. But if you put off, like paying your taxes, paying your bills, doing all the, these things, it, they become bigger and bigger issues. When you don't call somebody, like you're in a relationship, you say, well, I'm not going to call them anymore. And then you realize you really can't call them anymore because you haven't called them in two or three weeks and you were in a relationship with them. I mean, this is when I was drinking. I was just in the middle of a relationship. I was, it was an Irish goodbye, let's call it. I'm sorry to stare, you know, be denigrating to that, but... I'm I'm of Irish descent, so I can say it. You know, Irish people, you, you always hear this thing, Irish people at a party, if they're drinking and stuff like that, they will leave without giving notice to anybody. Just take off. And they call that an Irish goodbye. And I used to do that in relationships all the time. All of a sudden, I just stopped calling these girls. Stopped seeing them, stopped pursuing them. I would just do But... I think a lot had to do with I wasn't really happy with myself. And once people knew what it was like, what's the point of going back there, you know, staying in a relationship? Because they, they know what I'm like. They're not going to look at me like they did when they first met me. Whenever you meet somebody, right? And just like being in a new place. So when people say they're going to move down here, why are you moving down here? I mean, is it to get away from you? You don't like the big city. You don't like these problems. Well, we have problems down here too. If you don't like the traffic, we get traffic, even though there's not a lot of people. You get one accident on these roads. There's some detours, but there's no long detours, more than like a mile. Except you like the old highway and things like that. But once you get to a bridge, you're, you know, a bridge, it all goes back to that single roadway. So if this backed up, it's backed up all the way. You may get it gain a couple minutes. But that's it. If it's traffic stopped, you're not going to go anywhere. If it's blocked. And that's just one of the things. Then you have tropical storms, rain. Uh, tra- oh, I, mean, I did say traffic, but then you got high volume traffic where it's vacation. You got high, you know, restaurants are full. If you're moving down here, not working in the tourist economy, you get all pissed off. There's so many tourists. You think I moved down here to, you know, and you move to a place that, you know, five, six months out of a year, tourists like to come down here a lot. So it's going to be busy. The same thing you're down here for, they're down here. 
And and then you get these fancy, some of these people say, well, I like to drink. This is the place to go and drink. You see, you come in a bar and you think, well, this is drink. Well, not everyone's like that down here. And if you have issues with substances and things like that, moving to a place doesn't make those issues any less horrible for you or the repercussions for your family. It just makes the perceptions of the people around not as much, right? Meaning if a lot of people are doing it, you may not get judged as much. If you're in a big city and you say, well, there's a lot of people there to say, they you say, you can't, you can't go drinking in the middle of the day. I used to do that all the time. So, yeah, I know people that come down here and it's funny. They say, we're moving down here. We're going to have, and they, every time I see them, Every time I see them, they come in for happy hour. They come in here for oysters. They come in here for their drinks. They're lit. They are lit each time, a husband and wife. And they're getting in their, you know, they're lit getting here. And I go, wow. You know, and then I got to cut them off right away I said you can't do this you can't get on the road just because everyone does it doesn't mean everyone should do it when it's it, you're, you're confusing the idea that the prevalence of something happening with the acceptance because it's unacceptable to get behind a wheel of a vehicle and to be in such a state that you can't operate your vehicle you can't operate it safely. And there's virtually no, I mean, once you do it, once you're impaired, you're impaired. Impairment reduces or raises the probability that you can make a mistake. And right around happy hour, 3.30, 4 o'clock, when the kids are coming into school and stuff like that, you know how distracted they are and they're on their phone and they're doing stuff and they're starting to speak. I go, for God's sakes, it's 3.30. I used to do that. But in Philadelphia, we could walk everywhere. I mean, if you were, you know, just intent on drinking and stuff like that, there was tons of places you could get to within walking distance. I actually probably lived in the place that was furthest away from bars. I mean, there was, I was in the far northeast and I was about three quarters of a mile from one bar about equal, equally distant, three-quarters of a mile from each of bars in the far northeast on Knights Road, Knights and Red Line. I could go down to Knights and Frankfurt. These are just two random. These are for the people that are in Philadelphia. You know, I could go from Red Line. It's, I lived near Red Line and Knights Road in a twin there. And I could go down one road, Red Line Road, and that would be three quarters of a mile to the bar there but it wasn't my favorite bar it wasn't a place to hang it was usually older or and go down to the City Line Tavern and it was all right but it was the end of the line for one of the bus routes it used to be a trolley line trackless trolley line the 66 and it was right at the the 
the line, the when they called it Senior Line Tavern, it was just the county line for Philadelphia County and Bucks County. I would go down there, and there was another bar that at one point that was also in a, a strip club at, at several times, and that was Christ. I'm trying to remember. That was up near Shopping Center near Woodhaven Road, and this is just for me remembering. It was equidistant, three quarters of a mile. Now. When I lived in different parts of Philadelphia downtown, I would be like two blocks away. And we're talking about 400 yards. You know, at most from a bar. And then if I went another mile, there would be 12 bars. There's, uh, you know, but there was no more than like every two blocks or one block. Every block, there was at least one. Some of the blocks had three or four. And this wasn't party central. So when you come down at Keish, you got to drive most of the places. And you got some people on their bikes. Oh, my God. Go to happy hour on a bicycle where you have along your bike path is right along the main thoroughfare. Where people are drinking and driving too, but they come down here for that. There's, there's that. I spent a long time talking about that, but I want to move on. But if you're moving on because your relationship sucks, your relationship's going to suck down here, right? Unless you're not with that person, or you're running from legal problems. And there was a a nice looking younger couple. When I say younger, it's funny. They used to be the older couple, but I guess the guys around around 40, late 30s. It's former Marine and his pretty wife. And they come in, they drink, and they don't, you know, they all have a good time and stuff like that. And then he gets busted for an out-of-state warrant. You don't know what it is. But when you're busted for an out-of-state warrant, it's usually something pretty serious. They don't take you in for traffic tickets. That's my assumption, but it could be wrong. could be traffic tickets, but chances are it's not. So then get away from that. If you're a shitty human being someplace, and everyone finds out you're a shitty person, and you decide to move someplace else, so you can get away from those people thinking you're a shitty person, eventually they'll find out that you're a shitty person here. That's the way it is. We had a couple managers, uh, a husband and wife said, or they could have been a husband and wife, they pretended to be husband and wife, at a local resort north, uh, in the far north of Key Largo, on the other side of the bridge. Guy pretended to be, he was one of the stolen Valor guys, he said he was a Navy SEAL at one time, blah, 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 and they were doing scams all across the United States. So if you're moving down here to get away from your bullshit, and we do have a lot of people that come down here because they think they're of like-minded people. You know? This used to be the Jimmy Buffett place to hang out, but there's not as many Jimmy Buffett people anymore. Just boat and booze and all this stuff. So, if you're thinking about moving to be happy, think about those people that win the lottery. Now, I'm not saying everyone that wins the lottery is unhappy, but there's a high incidence of people who are depressed and then 
there's more tangible you can't really see there's a more tangible expression of things going bad than there's a spike of bankruptcy that you would see in people that won the lottery versus um, people, the population at large, right? So you think you've you got a big influx of money and you're bankrupt in, within a couple of years. Or you expect you get, you, you win and then you, they find out someone, you know, your family, your friends find out and then you have all these people that come out. You think that they're loving and you have this friendship circle, family circle that is very strong and caring. And then you find out all the people that just want to separate those funds from you. And they come in for different reasons. You never hear from your relatives unless you need some money. I mean, I got some relatives that came that came to me at one time when I was in the depths of my drinking and they would call me up. And I guess because I lived in Philadelphia, they must have thought I had more money. They had relatives that lived in, in the country. And they would call up and find out. They'd say, oh, and they'd fish around. they ask you. Um, you know, one, one of them, one of my cousins wanted, said he wanted to go into the priesthood. In order to go into priesthood, he had to settle his debts. And something was wrong about that story. I'm like, if you had a lot of debts, why would you decide to go into priesthood or anything like that? And he was, he was, he had substance, he, he had substance issues and things like that. And he ended up, he was married or divorced and had several kids. That doesn't make you bad candidate for a priesthood, but it does, you know, lends itself to that. But, but imagine all the things that could go wrong, and then you thinking that, well, if I won the lottery, everything would happen. The right thing, you know, money would make me happy. Well, money can buy things. It can buy you out of debt. It could buy you a nice residence, buy you some security. When I say security, financial security. Even more tangible security, if you talk about like one of the security companies and things like that, uh, it really can't buy your friendship because you know what happens. You know, you, you can get people, you can pretend friends. You can get a little entourage going. You're wackadoos. I see some people that are well off that hang out with people that are hangers on, and some of the people are pleasant. They get a little disagreeable sometimes. I say, why would someone hang around with that person? They're, they're negative sometimes. And when they're drinking, they get a little mean. Well, because this person picks up the bill all the time. You know? I guess, I guess that's something. I mean, it serves a purpose. But do you really want that? And then in the end, when real, people realize that they didn't get the happiness from the lottery winnings, or the fulfillment from that, they get even more depressed. They say, well, if this doesn't make me happy, what will make me happy? And that's the same for people that move to these places they dreamed about moving. I always dreamed of moving down the Keys, and then you move down the Keys and you're not happy. And then you think you can never be happy. Well, maybe you're looking at the wrong thing to make you happy, right? So maybe that thing that needed to make you happy was something that isn't as easy to put your finger on as a location change or a financial windfall or a relationship. Because if you're not really happy, it's hard to get in a really good 
relationship with someone, it's going to be healthy. Why would someone with a really good personality, good for you, want to get involved with someone that's depressed? And they're just there to make you happy. And then when they don't make you happy and you still have your problems, then you realize, you know, you can't change people, you can't change locations, but you can change yourself. And that's where real change happens. I always try to drive that home. Real change happens within. I think that was one of the lines in Shawshank Redemption. Look within, you know, change occurs. Not on the outside. I mean, you can do it on the outside. Actually, physically, you can change. You can lose weight. You can become fit and do things like that. But the real, to, to become that, you have to change inside first. And that's uh, my message for today. And be careful about bringing those kids out. You know, if you're going to take, don't take a pyro to a fireworks store. I mean, I wonder how many times you get these people down here who decide they go into a fireworks. We have a fireworks store in North Key Largo. And, you know, people that are, they've been drinking and they're heading out. Well, let's get some fireworks. It's, you know, it's, I mean, it's open all year round. I don't understand how they, um, you know, just they have one twentieth of business all year round. And then all their business is Moral Day. July 4th and Labor Day. Holy shit. New Year's Eve. And then you can say, hey, listen, we're going to go out and get some, uh, you know, you have a party. And say, oh, we forgot the fireworks. Oh, let's get some fireworks. Go and send. You take you take Billy with you. Well, Billy's been drinking all the time. So like, just take him. He needs to get out. So you go out with Billy and stuff, and Billy likes to smoke, and he goes into, I mean, you can see him pulling out his, pulling out his cigarettes and when he's looking at this, you know, real drunk light and stuff. I'm not saying all billies are like that, but it's a possibility. Don't bring a pyro to a fireworks store. Hey, there hasn't been an accident in a fireworks store you've seen in a long time, so that's pretty good. Okay, well, this is uh, Jim the Keys Bartender. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please share it with your friends. Try to get it. I'm trying to get as many. Let's get a big, for this particular show, Let's get a big boost in downloads. I'm going to get a lot of downloads. Share it with your friends. Um, you know, if they want to move down here, if they don't want to move down here, if you want to move someplace, who knows? But like us on Facebook, Instagram, and I'll be back. And this is the music signing off. Talk to you later. Bye.